Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of your Aura Nation right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I'm the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at University of Technology, Sydney. And my producer today is Anthony Dockrell. And the finish line is in sight. Your local PNC is right now picking up truckloads of sausages, thousands of bread rolls and boxes of tomato sauce. That's right, the election, the actual day of the election is only a few sleeps away from being done and dusted. And I'm sure right now you have a mental image of yourself tucking into a democracy sausage. But before you do that, we have some work to do. So tonight we ask the very vexed question, uh, has the media done its job in this election campaign? The media is uh, meant to be here to inform and hold the powerful to account. But have we, and I use this collective we rather lightly, but have we done that? And does that job include trudging around on the memory of Bill Shorten's mum? Perhaps it does if the man himself brings her into the picture. Of course, the media has been in the news with many inside and outside saying this time that News Corporation has gone far too far and its perception of bias is no more than a perception, it's actually a reality. So, but is this a problem? I mean, is it real? Is news, as the Greens would have it, a cancer on our democracy? To answer this and many other questions, we are joined by a, a wonderful, uh, diverse and esteemed panel featuring none other than Kyla Lusikian, who pens the CBD column for the City Morning Herald and The Age. Hello. Hello. It's a great column, which I'm sure is a little bit like Media Watch insofar as everyone loves it until they find themselves in it. Is that right? Well, yes, except I hate writing about journalism. So that's kind of where the analogy well, ends. I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. Kyla has worked for The Australian and The Daily Telegraph and has more impressively hosted and produced this very program. <laughs> Pinnacle of my achievements. <laughs> the, yes, that's right. You peaked early. Uh, joining Kyla is Emily Watkins, who is the media reporter for Crikey. She's also worked for the aforementioned ABC Media Watch and the NT News and has a new office. Welcome yeah. back to the show, Emily. Thank you, Peter. We're so close now. Close to the... To SER. Well, it's good to be close to 2SER. It is. Yeah. And uh, making, I think, a first appearance on the show. Yeah. Brad Esposito. Ex of BuzzFeed, now a senior reporter for Pedestrian Daily, where, among many other things, he's been writing a wonderful, wonderfully subtly named column. Here is all the shit that happened on the day, insert a number, X, you know, 28 or 29 of the campaign. And we're going to get to some of that very shit very soon. Can't wait. Can't wait. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you. Thank you for making time. Um, but before I w we get to the election, I did want to turn to this uh, fascinating report that's just out from the global not-for-profit RAND Corporation about changes in journalism, in particular about US journalism, so bear that in mind. But RAND is on a mission to explore what it calls truth decay. It's a kind of catch-all phrase taking in misinformation, fake news, and the general decline in media and civic debate, as I say, particularly in the US, but elsewhere too. Its latest report that came out overnight has done an in-depth linguistics analysis of the US media across print, online, TV, and radio over the past three decades to find out how the news media is changing. And its main findings are, one, that print journalism and reporting on broadcast TV – that's old school TV, has been mostly consistent in tone and style over the past 30 years. But since 2000, there's been a gradual shift to more subjective reporting. 
Uh, point two is when comparing primetime cable programming with broadcast TV, there was a significant differences in how the news was presented. That's back to that subjective question. And then point three was that old media is more grounded in traditional reporting and new media tends to lean more to the subjective. So, panel... Do uh, first question is do we find these results uh, do they resonate with us in Australia? Uh, are they surprising? And if they do resonate with uh, us or with Australian journalism, are we becoming more subjective? And is that a bad thing, Brad? There's a okay. few questions in there. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. I think the way the internet has grown and the way that social media has grown within it has kind of become part of reporting, and that lies into the subjective findings of that report. I think, you know, every journalist in Australia or almost every journalist in Australia has got a Twitter account at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Apart from Chris Kenny. Yeah, right. Yeah, what a hero. Um, but it's, I think when you have that account uh, and a lot of these people that have these personal accounts did not either grow up with social media um, or even went to uni when social media was a thing. So they're kind of learning in reverse Mm -hmm. Uh, and so mistakes come with that not so much mistakes but like putting your personality Mm. into your reporting having a fine line between this is my twitter account where do i stop in tweeting about is that a bad thing i guess is what i don't think so you don't think that sort of as it were the journalist is part of the yarn and Mm. using social as a way to as the vehicle to do that is not such a bad thing if you know what the ground rules are right yeah exactly ground rules are important so what are the ground rules? Because I, I wonder whether we don't fully understand the ground rules sometimes. I mean, you, you don't want to go around spouting off stuff as fact that is just your opinion, clearly. Um, and you don't want to be putting yourself into a story uh, and making it about yourself, which does happen. Mm. Um, and it certainly happens more in the US, mm. whether or not that's because they have more journalists and they have a wider market um, or we're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think definitely if you understand the responsibility that comes with involving yourself, even slightly subjectively, then I don't think it's terribly dangerous as long as you're honest up front about it. Okay. So, Carla, you write a column, mm. which is in and of itself a subjective thing, right? It's got your face on it. It tells you that it's your column. So you're a subjective journalist. Is that right? Well, when I'm writing a column, yeah, obviously it's... But, I mean, it's pretty clear that it's my opinion. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the column that I do has been around for, what, 20 or 30 years. It's not some sort of new phenomenon, so, you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it is when I write news reports. It's obviously in a completely different style. It's a piece of news. Of course. Um, Rand Corporation, by the way, sounds like a immensely scary mm. uh, sort of shadowy company. but um, It's not, actually. It's, Rand stands for research and development. Well, yeah. There you go. It's <laughs> not something that's... Enormously creative. Um, yes. No, but, uh, look, I think... Well, I was just wondering when I was reading that report. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go through all of it, but what they actually count as a news report. Because, I mean, mm. of course, if you were looking at, you know, television broadcast news reporting from 20 years ago... Uh, what would be the news on 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 television? It would be, uh, you know, the six o'clock news mm. and the ten o'clock news, or whatever it might be, and there'd be a bit, you know, bits here and there, and that would be the broadcast news, right? And now, if the broadcast, if the definition of broadcast news covers those twenty-four hour news channels, you know, by extension, you're basically fitting the same amount of news uh, through a twenty-four hour period. So it's not particularly mm. surprising that people are going to have to talk. Uh, either way, uh, you know, uh, subjectively, presumably, to fill the content. Okay, Emily, is this a problem? I guess this is the question. Oh, uh, well, you know, look, this- I think it does in some 
aspects and particularly with digital media, I mean, like the report said, you know, it's more of a thing in new media. And I think part of the reason for that is because it's a lot harder to get cut through. So if you can add a bit of personality or subjectivity, that gives your piece something a bit different that you wouldn't have if everybody Mm. writes the same story with the same facts, just one after another in an inverted pyramid style story. Um, I think the problem is, as Kyla said, you know, um, opinion pieces and uh, columns that are subjective have been around for a very long time. The problem, I guess, is when that creeps into news reports, like we were speaking earlier, when perhaps that hasn't been clear that it's opinion or when opinion's being stated as as fact, which maybe we are seeing a bit more of. I don't think we're seeing, um, I mean, I guess I'm not as across the US media, but I, I wouldn't expect it's as bad here as... The US, but I mean, it may be. I'd be well, it might really be a scale question, to, as Brad says. Yeah, but, exactly. But isn't one of the kind of issues I think that they're trying to get at is this question of emotion, putting emotion into reporting. So subjectively leads you to kind of, if you like, having a position, position that, you know, put it on social and it's got an emotional quotient and that we all know that that works really well. So is that a slippery slope, though, for journalists if we're worried about you know, trust in news media if we kind of all wander around telling each other what we feel. <laughs> well, is, it, is it wrong to tell a, uh, for journalists? Well, who is doing this? Sorry. I'm yeah. not quite well, who's doing this? I know. I, Brad was going to confess. You just interrupted him. <laughs> Please. <your> confession. <laughs> um, I think there's like a difference between emotion and adding color, though. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they're not the same thing. And, and putting yourself into a story is not the same as putting your emotion into the story if you are smart about it. Okay, yes, that's right, if you're smart about it. Emily, anything to add to that? Do you put yourself into your stories? Uh, I don't tend to, no. Um, Why is that? Well, I I guess I'm sort of of the fairly old school now <laughs> belief that, um, you know, reporters should try to be objective where you can and I don't think that inserting yourself into stories um, helps you with that. I mean, I think there are circumstances where inserting yourself into the story might be appropriate, where you have become the story or where, the, where you've got a unique perspective to bring to it. Um, I don't think it's a good position to start from, though. I think, um, you know, as journalists, you we have a position of power where we have the opportunity to speak truth to power and put questions to powerful people that regular people can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think our job really is to tell those stories and to ask those questions rather than than put ourselves into that. Okay. So this was all a a ruse to get us to News Corporation, of course, and talk about subjectivity. Allegation that uh, News Corp uh, is running a kind of pro-liberal campaign in this, uh, in this, uh, the last six weeks or so, um, and that it's crossed some sort of invisible bridge, uh, which it had never done before. Kyla, what do you think? You've worked at the Telegraph, you worked at the Oz, you worked with the Oz with me, I should add, mm. um, and you had a bit of a, damf- a hand in the downfall of Barney Rejoice, who I think worked uh, is a coalition member. So yes. I know. What do you think of all this that's going on? Um, I'm not sure what the invisible bridge that they've crossed is. Uh, right. News Corp, you know, News Corp as it as it as is. This a, a mo- you know, massive as the thing. monolithic kind yeah. of. Um, I mean, the, I find it extraordinary the amount of effort, uh, amount of kind of thought and um, you know uh, time journalists who do not work at News Corp uh, or even the ones that do work at News Corp, I guess, um, spend thinking about News Corp. I mean, sometimes some of these people it seems that it's their full time 
job. You know, all they do is spend all day tweeting about the horrors of News Corp. And and for me, it seems almost that, you know, sure, okay, that's fine. I mean, that's what you think. Um, but wouldn't it be better to, you know, if you think that that's bad, why don't you go and do, you know, some journalism of your own journalism. that's not okay. t- fulminating on how terrible News Corp is? Well, we're going to, yeah, go on, go on. How much reach is. You know, Joe Smith going to get doing journalism of his own compared to a company. But I'm talking about professional journalists, like journalists who get paid, journalists who get published, will write. You know, will will spend a lot of. I mean, fine. You know, I there's there is obviously value in in trying to you know decide you know have a look at what influence this you know massive media company has. Just a question: Can you ask me this? Has it picked? Has it been? Has it picked sides in this election? Point one. Point question one. And is it too obvious that it's picked sides this time round? I mean, do you remember when the Australian ran uh, like seven million pieces on the AWU? Yeah, uh, I remember well. Thing? I think I, mean, I was there then. I mean, it just seems like there. I mean, I, I, I look. I personally don't think a great deal has changed. That's my personal view. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an interesting view. Do you think, Brad, or do you? I mean, I know you got a point of comparison specifically to this election. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I. I don't see how you couldn't see that. Um, well, it's not that long I, ago that uh, the Telegraph, uh, you know, in the in the in the Rudd election, the last time Labor was in power, the headline was "Kick this mob out." I don't. You yeah, know, I mean, I think also there's like what needs to be thought of when we think of News Corp and their influence. Uh, I find in discussion, particularly with journalists, is this assumption that people read the entire paper and 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 absorb the entire mediascape of everything that News Corp makes, mm. and they're not just like seeing the front page at the news agent or just reading the first two or just having Sky News on for five minutes. And and that's the real influence. And what's focused into those short periods of attention. You mean the screaming headline, the mother invention, all yeah, that sort of stuff. Sure. Like those are the things that get the general population who don't necessarily have the time that we have privileged to have the time to have to mm. read through it all. They certainly my friends are not reading Newspapers all the way through are not really having. Were well, your friends paying any attention to the Daily Telegraph then, other than yeah. to criticise it? No, 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 no. I have. No, they're not all like lefty screaming about News Corp and and carrying on. No, um, I just that is the one thing that does bug me in that I I I get the argument that they have an exhaustive amount of journalists who write an exhaustive amount of things on a lot of topics, um, and some of those journalists might be more right-wing, some of them might be more left-wing, um, but certainly when you look at the front page, when you look at Sky News After Dark, when you look at the uh, short-bite approach to News Corp, you could say they are mm-hmm. not necessarily down the middle. Okay, Emily, let's talk about the Mother Invention headline. Let's talk about a specific sure. story. So that's the one that kind of kicked a lot of this off and got uh, veteran uh, news, you know, Oz journal Tony Koch very upset, saying he'd never seen something so bad and wrong and various other things, something about an albatross around the author's neck. Um, anyway, uh, and then, of course, there was um, uh, a now quite famous uh, interview with Rick Morton at UTS uh, you know, last week where he talked about the t- craziness being dialed up. So the mother invention, let's just be specific about that, is... Bill Sean goes on Q&A, talks, uses his mother to talk about how he wants to uh, help working people, uses his own story, 
and maybe maybe leaves an impression that you know uh, that his mum struggled and didn't get any. As far as perhaps you know, she she did because we you know it's been said before that you know, of course that she did go to the bar in the end and she did practice as a barrister. But the Q and A impression leaves it that these it was all a struggle. So uh, so the the Telegraph runs a headline: "Mother of Invention," saying that he's basically omitting uh, facts. What do we think about that? Was that good journalism? Bad journalism? Neither. I think it was a particularly nasty and calculated piece of um, of biased journalism, I would say. I mean, I quite often defend News Corp's right to have a, um, a perspective and to reflect maybe what it believes its readers um, believe. But I think that piece in particular, on reading it, felt like it was calculated for a specific purpose, which was to discredit Bill Shorten with no regard for the facts or the full context. Of, but he did uh, raise the question of his mother. He used his oh, mother, right, as, yes. a, as a way of talking about his, you know, working class roots and the struggle and all that sort of sure. stuff. Sure, and perhaps if he'd made a habit of omitting part of that story, but I think what we've seen in the days past, and I don't follow politics maybe as closely as you, you, the other panellists here, but, um, you know, he he has spoken about his mother's full career previously. Um, it's not like he's, he's completely lied about it. I don't know. It just, to me, as a as a reader and a media consumer, it just felt mm. particularly nasty. Kyla. Yeah, well, think? I mean, the, the allegation at the centre of the story was that he deliberately misled people into mm. thinking that his mother was somehow hard done by her entire life. You know, when in fact she was this high-flying lawyer. I mean, that's not—that's clearly not what he was saying. I mean, it's pretty obvious what he was trying to say, which is that she had to sacrifice what she wanted to do when she was younger, so that his, you know, and then eventually, sure, maybe. I mean, what do they want? The Q and A to put up a CV or something? You know, um, I mean, well, it, was, it, was, it was just a silly story. I don't think it was calculated. I don't think. I, don't, I mean, that, this is the thing. I don't think a great having worked, you know, in some of these places, I don't think a great deal of thought went into. This like it wasn't like oh you know we've got you now you know here is this is the way we're going to get under your skin and we're going to do this and that. I think they thought oh well here we go and then no one there was no one there to go well, hang on like is this getting a bit out of control uh, and then they end up with this thing where it's just it's just patently silly you know I think that's what happened I it's have no idea silly. obviously having not not mm, working there anymore mm. but I mean that's just well how it I, to I, me. yeah I mean I think what you're getting at is that truism of you know daily tabloid newspapers which is there has to be a splash point one mm. uh the splash is you know if you like the for one of a better word sexiest story you've got and you know they pick that one i guess the question still remains is whether that was a legitimate splash or not i don't think it was a legitimate story i mean it was maybe a kind of a, a thought in a column item i mean sure i mean you know you could draw someone's attention to it mm. as you kind of write about a series of things about Bill Shorten or, you know, whatever it might be, but a story, not, not I don't think so. Mm. What do you think, Brad? Not, not, not a legitimate splash. I think what Kyla was saying was correct, but I also think um, whatever decision was made to put that front page and splash it, like you say, and to up it as the big story they kind of have presented as, mm. um, that's questionable. Mm. Um Yep. It's, yeah, I, <laughs> I I just keep thinking about when I was in university or, or 
if I was talking to my editors and I presented them that story, what would they say to me? What would and they say to you? Well, they probably wouldn't tell me it's going to run on the front page. Mm. Right? Mm. They pro- and I would also think about how often News Corp has run similar gotcha things about anyone else on the political spectrum and whether it's ever been front page. Well, I mean, they did, as I mentioned earlier, they did get uh, Barnaby Joyce quite spectacularly, yeah. right? Got Barnaby Joyce, yeah. Yeah. There are a few other, I, th- we, I think I remember we smashed up um, Turnbull when he proposed to do something with journal. I can't remember what it was, some sort of mm. encryption laws. There was a few things like that, but, you know, when I was at the telly, I was only there very briefly, though, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, although, I mean, just to Brad's point, um, they, the telly does seem to be giving um, uh, ScoMo quite a reasonable run. I mean, he was, he was Santa, Sco, ScoMo, the hero of the hard worker, I mean, when you're looking at it, do you think they're kind of, do you think they're running a liberal line? Do they? Oh, yeah, most definitely. But is that a legit, I mean, I guess the other thing about, okay, so let's accept they're running a liberal line. Is that a legitimate thing to do? I mean, you know, you know what you get on the box, right? I mean, it, Yeah, look, I mean, I tend to come from the perspective where, you know, they have a, they have a right to run a line to, um, to have an opinion on, on, on things. It's a, it's it's a private company, you know. Um, mm. I think the problem is where that's not done responsibly. So with stories like that mother in- invention story, whether it was calculated or not, the full story wasn't told in that story. And I think, you know, with that power that you have, you have a responsibility to mm. to make sure um, you're not you're, – you're just giving people the actual facts, not omitting facts that are important to the story. Okay, so cut to the to the chase, and I mentioned the Greens earlier, and I think there's some sympathy out there in the community for this. The argument goes that news, uh, not just the televios as well, that they've kind of jumped the shark in this election. It's now is the time to uh, bring in a new public interest test, break up News Corp in some way, regulate it, whatever, bring it to heel. Is that what we want? Um, is this what we want out of all of this? Is this where we're at? Do we actually want to? the government to intervene and base, you know, control what we read, frankly? Um, no. <laughs> um, look, I mean, the media reforms last year that allowed the um, nine Fairfax merger were probably, um, in my opinion, shouldn't have gone ahead. But, I mean, at the same time, it might have ensured the survival of Fairfax. I don't think the government should be intervening to break up companies mm. i think that's a, a dangerous mm. dangerous path to go down um as far as you know media freedom yep what do, what do you think brad i just i is it 70 percent of the media that it they depends are depends how you count it but yeah yeah which just well it's the circulation yeah on, on surface is a, is a very large number and i i don't think that they will be broken up i don't think that's a tangible idea i i i don't see it happening um, and I agree that like allowing the government to then come in and break it up is not great either. But what is the other solution? Like, are, are we just going to continue to have one major force in the country as the country continues to grow that gives we out? We do have news? the ABC. We do have the ABC, yeah, but they're constantly and we do being have undermined. Still, Fairfax in nine and nine, and we do have you know things are growing a little bit. Crikey, for instance, is growing. Um, pedestrian TV is growing, right? It is. Well, Kyra and I are now kind of associates. 
Oh, okay. Also yeah. nine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You're all part of the family. <laughs> yeah. You're all part of the great family. So, I mean, Guardian Australia is also yeah. expanding. I think, you know, there's a lot more now than there were, than there was even a, a year ago. Years, a yeah, year absolutely. ago. Catalano was just options. bought the regionals. I mean, mm. who knows what's going to happen with the Canberra Times. <laughs> yeah. Right? So Doubling it, the jobs, maybe, you know. Doubling the jobs in Canberra. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, well, Kyla, what do you think? Uh, I just don't understand how, I mean, look, media, media, I mean, it's one of those things where you say to someone, um, would you like for, you know, taxes to be zero? And everyone says, of course we would. But then when you actually, you know, get into any sort of detail, it becomes a complete mess. I feel like that's kind of how media regulation works. You know, how, I mean, sure, who doesn't want a fair and free media, you know, and, and someone to stop, you know, the, the most egregious kind of breaches of of you know media ethics, sure, great. But I mean, no, we just, do have that, right? We but, do have media, but there's you know, ACMA and such like, and we have the press council. What is the answer? Well, I don't know. I don't okay. know what the answer is, but you know, I, I, I'd like to think that you know the Australian media consumer, if that's someone who re, you know reads the t- reads the paper or watches the TV or whatever it might be, you know, is is smart enough to kind of pick up when they're maybe being. Um, you know, if if, the, if there's a if there's some sort of problem with what they're reading or viewing, but you know, I don't know. I honestly have no idea. Mm. Okay, I mean, I guess the question is, um, if we if we accept that you know they've gone to, uh, the news has gone a bit too far in a few instances in this last six weeks, uh, is Australia better served if you have a more objective and factual eye on the news? I mean, so going back to that kind of RAND stuff at the beginning, right? Concerns about subjectivity is objectivity an objective? Everyone's ascribed to some notion of objectivity, the way that we kind of um, get more trust in news media and do our jobs better. Or we reached another point, perhaps. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, objective news is not bad. I mean, is that, is that the question? Well, I guess so. I guess. Well, is the there a way of? I mean, what's our preferred state here? Because if we are upset, if people are upset, not people, you're not upset. I know yeah. you're you're perfectly happy. But if other people are upset about alleged bias in news corporation, then do we have to do anything about it, or uh, do we just let the consumer maybe decide? On like a, maybe on an adjacent point, I just I just say this: people are going to be upset about what what you write or report on, no matter mm-hmm. who it is. You so know. we're just doing our job. Well, no, I mean, you obviously, I mean, I'm not really sure what the question is, to be honest. But like, surely you try to do your job as best as you possibly can, try to be as fair as you possibly can, uh, and you know that is kind of what you do as day to day as a journalist. And you know, it's kind of almost like a trade, right? Um, but, yeah, it is a trade. But you know, there's there's always going to be someone. I mean, I find it amazing about the you know the things that some people email me upset about. Mm. And it's just, you know, I just feel like sometimes you're just never going to win. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. Uh, Brad, let's just get out of the news question right now. <laughs> let's ask this broader question. Do you, th- you know, if you can, because we're sort of still in the thick of it, and I know you're in the thick of it especially, you know, but if we can, have, do you think the media's had a, done a good job in this election campaign? Very broad question, I must Yeah, very broad. In yeah. some ways, yes. Yeah. In other ways. I mean, I, I would uh, argue the most important <laughs> question of this election campaign was the Al Jazeera expose of One Nation, who kind of blew their wheels off. Well, did it? Like, well, we'll find out who, Saturday. Who did more damage, like Clive Palmer or Al Jazeera? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I've... I can tell you what I have been really impressed with and really enjoyed is the analytical approach to the way social media and the internet is like affecting this election. Mm -hmm. I have really liked 
uh, some of the stuff the Guardian is doing around advertising on on Facebook. I don't think, as a whole, the media has enough people looking at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's appreciated how much that space is the same as our real world space and the influence that it has there. Um, it's also been a bit ugly uh, and concerning the amount of kind of social media dirt sheets coming out about uh, all those candidates who said things years and years ago well yeah some of them some of them it's perfectly warranted like you don't like if you find out someone's had a very long anti-muslim rant on their facebook page four years ago it's probably in the public interest you bring that up even Uh, if they said they they, that's not their views now are we allowed to change it depends what party you're also a part of i'd say as well oh that's interesting like if you're at a party that is running uh, so say quite a conservative direction, mm-hmm. and then it's also found out that you are extremely homophobic, extremely Islamophobic. Um, then issues start to arise. But also, it's like are they going to get elected anyway, or are you just giving them attention? Thank you so much for this panel uh, for their insights and wisdom. Carla Lusikian from the City Morning Herald and the Age, Emily Watkins, media reporter for Crikey, Brad Esposito from senior reporter for Pedestrian TV. Thank you so much for listening to the Fourth State. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SCR and can be heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favorite podcast app so you can hear us talk media, politics, and a few things in between when you fancy it at any time. We'll be back next week with more. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter where the handle is Fourth Estate AU. Many thanks to my producer, Anthony Dockrell. My name is Peter Frey, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>